0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Goods, a film podcast. This is Brian, and Dan's here, as he always is. Hey, Brian.
1: Good to talk to you. Hey, Yeah, you too. How's it going? Oh, you know, hanging in there. Living the dream, as they say. That's like white dude for... I am feeling angst and ennui. If somebody says "living the dream," I don't know if you've ever encountered someone who says that.
0: Right, but I feel like you also have to be living the dream to say it. You mean? Yeah, I think so. It's like you got to be doing something that's like you wouldn't just say "living the dream" if you weren't pursuing your dream in some capacity. I don't think.
1: Okay. Interesting. So it's like a it's a little bit of a mixed thing.
0: Right, it's like sarcastic. It's like, I'm doing what I want to do, but I'm struggling in some capacity.
1: Are you living the dream, Brian?
0: Yes. <laughs> so I speak from experience. But listeners, this is a special episode. It's something we do every six months. This is one of our spectacular lookbacks. We do these on the 25s, or at least we have so far, so we convened for this purpose after episode 25, episode 50, episode 75, and now here tonight, a few episodes past 100, because we punted off down the line a little bit in honor of October. We didn't want to miss a Halloween episode, so now here we are, but we are limiting our consideration to episodes 76 through 100.
1: Right. So I think we've recorded up through 104. So no mention of those unspeakable films.
0: Which is a little sad because coming into it, I was like, oh, man, we've really hit our stride. We had a lot of funny stuff in like the Halloween Town episode. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I can't talk about that.
1: <laughs> it's off limits. We got to act like it doesn't exist yet. Remember it for whenever we do our next spectacular.
0: I'll try. Probably I'll just have in my mind whatever the most recent five episodes were at that point, but... Right. That's how it goes. So the established ritual of these spectaculars is that we first talk about what has happened on the show and in our lives these past six months. We make some prognostications about what might be ahead... We dig a little bit into the mathematics of our rankings and
1: our listening stats. Basically, Brian indulges Dan, the math major, for 10 or 15 minutes.
0: That's right. And then we talk about awards. This is our award show
1: yeah, where we give
0: out our goodies <laughs> to films that have merited them.
1: Our lack of coming up with a better title for the award segment, I think we just, by default, it's become the goodies.
0: It works. It serves. Twill serve, in the words of Mercutio. (laughs) So, Dan, do we need any more introduction, or shall we look back?
1: Sure, we can retrospect.
0: All right. I love to do that.
1: Love living in the past. (laughs) I peaked in high school, man. I do it all the time. Yep.
0: Same. But let's see. Some developments the last six months. I am working on improving myself. I've been pursuing a graduate degree in media production. I've been meeting new people, building my skills. I learned to develop film photography, which is new for me. So more moving and shaking in the last six months than perhaps in past increments. And you feeling good about that? I think so. I'm enjoying myself at least and hopefully it'll bear financial fruit at some point, but we will see. All the best
1: to you. Good luck. Thank you. What about you, Dan? Last 6 months how have they gone? Yeah, so I mean, I guess personally towards the beginning of this 25 episodes, I moved to a new house and that was a major personal endeavor and then couple other things uh well one is i started my movie reviews site a sister site of sorts to the podcast it bears the same branding or at least similar branding and i link to back and forth between them somewhat Um, and that's been something i've worked really hard on and i'm feeling excited about and currently have a streak going of something like a hundred and 15 days or something with reviews posted 500 or more words every single day. So that's been a a major effort alongside the podcast. And then also the other big thing personally, that's kind of really empowered some of those other things is that, uh, I have cut back significantly on drinking, which is to say I have not drank in the past six months, which is like the first time basically since college that, that I've gone this long. So that has, uh, my energy's a little better, my mood's a little better, and I have a little more time to focus on challenging projects. So,
0: And yet when we sat down tonight, you sent me a picture of yourself with a Heineken, so what's that about?
1: That's a Heineken 0.0, uh, N.A. beer.
0: Oh my god, that's worse than not drinking anything. Really? Isn't it? I mean, why drink a beer that has no alcohol? It's like, do you like the taste?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it uh, it hits the, the craving, you know? It subsides it. But uh, Wegmans has a massive non-alcoholic beer section. So I, I tried to, like, not do that at all. I thought it would make it worse. But then it actually did subside my cravings once I, I started having occasional non-alcoholic beers.
0: Well, that's interesting. Would you recommend teetotaling?
1: Um... In short, yes. I think the amount of positive influence it has in your life is going to vary a lot by person. For me, I think it's been a big positive, And I think for other people, it may or may not be. And if you're very good at moderate drinking, and you in fact, just use the occasional beer to unwind, and it doesn't have any other negative repercussions in your life, then maybe it wouldn't be for you to teetotal. But I think most people are probably a little more attached than they admit, but maybe not everyone. You know, I don't know. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, but it, I guess what I'm saying is, it's been good for me, and I think the things that have been good for me would be good for other people too. But you know, everybody's gotta figure out the things that matter to them.
0: Right, right. I, I may consider. We'll see. It could have its positives for sure. So we've just crested a hundred episodes, Dan. Mm-hmm. To me, that feels more significant than say. A 75 episode special. So how does
1: 100 feel special to you? Oh, man. Well, when you've done something 100 times, that's like a, a critical mass of something. It's like you've reached a new order of magnitude that just feels more significant, you know? Right. That also marks about two years of the podcast for us. So we started it a few months into the pandemic. And now the world is totally different two years later. Uh, But this has been something continuous for us pretty much every week. You know, Um, if you actually math it out, it's like a month more than two years. But that's just because of like atrophy over time. Like if we had to go eight days, I think we might have skipped two weeks when we were sick or something like that. But it's been pretty constant.
0: Right. We haven't skipped much. But I mean, also several weeks have been devoted to these spectaculars. So that causes the calendar to drift a bit like the moon calendar or something.
1: Right. We had a couple of two-parters.
0: That's true as well. So it's not on the dot two years, but it would have been pretty close, which makes me wonder, Dan, do you think this retrospective works well every six months, or is it something that past 100 maybe we move to once a year?
1: I think going forward we should do it once a year. We should do it on the 50s. Yeah, I agree. It was fun to do it. Six months in, maybe every six months is a little excessive and but you know we had to do it for a hundred, so it's a special number, right, either way, we would have had one now, so I'm glad to have the opportunity That's a good point, yeah, a couple things for our podcast over the past twenty five episodes we set up a discord. I think the discord happened after the last one, and that's been fun uh talking with people about movies and. About the show and other stuff there, uh, I mean mostly people we kind of already knew, but still kind of fun to to have people giving us feedback and having people to talk with in this sphere of the show.
0: yep, I even finally joined it the last few weeks prior to the grad school thing i didn't really know how to use discord, but now i'm hip and I'm with it. <laughs> And I just, in the last couple days, finally made the breakthrough that now I have the multimedia section I've kind of been pining after, where I can send the really hardcore fans my supplemental media links. Oh, nice. There you go. Like, I just dropped the Jenga Club video link in the Discord, so anybody who's out of the loop can go experience that found footage treasure.
1: (laughs) Oh. Another thing that we experimented with this past 25 episodes was top five lists. So have you enjoyed those, Brian? What do you think about that little experiment of ours?
0: Yeah, they're fun. When we get to our awards discussion, I want to give one, either a dedicated one or a shout out as part of one of the ones we are including
1: to the best top five. Oh, I like that. Yeah, let's let's throw that in there. Do you think we should keep doing them? I think we should. It doesn't have to be every episode,
0: you know. For a while, it was, like, pretty constant. But I I think it provokes some very meaningful discussion. Yeah, it's
1: fun. Just for the the record, the stats have not borne out a significant higher or lower listenership for our top five episodes than the ones that aren't. So...
0: What about it when it's a standalone top five release? Do those get any more?
1: Those get slightly lower than average, uh, but not much more. It's it's all the same order of magnitude. Okay. People like that long form content,
0: Dan. I know you don't believe it, but uh, Jenny Nicholson just dropped a four hour video. Action button is back and dropped his like eight hour
1: thing. That's insane, man. It's so long. That's that's a whole... Uh, as I was moving ahead.
0: <laughs> that's right. I guess, yeah. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> not Not always the best. <laughs> Something I wanted to point out about the last 25 episodes is we both had weeks where we caught COVID. We finally had it come for us, knock on our doors. And so for Dan... He experienced it during our giving discussion when we were talking about Tom Hanks movies. The assignment was The Money Pit, but Dan went whole hog and watched every single Tom Hanks film.
1: Yeah, every one I hadn't seen, which was in the realm of 30, I don't remember, 25 or 30. That's insane, but yeah. I
0: commend you for it. <laughs> and then a few weeks after that, I caught it. And I watched Walk Hard and the Ray Charles biopic and the Johnny Cash biopic and a few other things. I guess I watched both parts of the new It. I didn't watch 30 movies, though, but I did take a little bit of a mini marathon. That's not when you watched
1: all three of the Peter Jackson Hobbits, right? No,
0: I had it combined in my head, but that was much more recently. Okay, I was going to say, that's probably longer than 30
1: Tom Hanks movies.
0: Right, I'm trying to think why exactly I did that. I guess I was curious. (laughs) But yeah, maybe if you add up both of those marathons, you get close to your
1: Hanks quest. Perhaps, yeah. So, Brian, what are your aspirations for the next, I suppose, 50 episodes next year? Ooh.
0: Well, as far as the near future... We've got a Christmas season coming up, which is going to mean a third Christmas Carol episode, of course. That's a tradition we've established. I'm sure there's probably going to be more DCOMs in the next year. (laughs) There always is. And of course, like if one of the franchises we've covered gets a new entry, we'll have to talk about that. We'll do another Do We Gotta and in January will be my birthday again, so I gotta think about what that's gonna entail. What else? We've used the April Fool's block to work in some not quite films, some other media that we wanna discuss, so I've definitely enjoyed that, so I wanna take at least that opportunity. If not, make that an even more regular feature.
1: Yeah, that's been fun.
0: And what about you, Dan? thoughts for the year ahead.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I would love to continue to figure out how to engage with our listeners because we have more listeners than ever. Um when we get to the numbers, we'll we'll you'll hear that we've had some good growth over the past 6 months in terms of, of listenership, but also more meaningful than those numbers to me is uh getting regular discussion from listeners and Love to figure out how to continue to engage with them in more interesting ways and with more people. So that's kind of a, a non specific goal, but uh, I've been really grateful to people on the Discord and hope we can keep that up. Another idea I had as far as a format is we kind of have unofficially done this where we call out almost like um, categories. Of of things that we talk about, like sections, recurring segments, like surprise John C. Riley, but that's kind of a, too specific. More like, I don't know, uh, who's the funny character actor, or what's the connection to Breaking Bad, or that thing you do, or I don't know. Just uh, maybe formalize some rewatchables, like that that other movie podcast. They have segments.
0: Yeah, I listened to a couple episodes of that. You sent me their, like, two-hour 25th anniversary of Boogie Nights coverage, and they also did one of Titanic, and I listened to both of those, and that's a good show. Listeners, if you haven't checked that one out, it was pretty funny, and they made some good observations. They were just mercilessly roasting Rose. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, they had categories that they would talk about, and it was things like... Character actor, they would say that guy, but things like which movie scene had the best food. Like in the Boogie Nights discussion, they said, Okay, what's the best food in this movie? And they said it was well, two of the three said it was the margaritas made by John C. Riley's character at the pool party, and one of them said something else. But that seemed to be the consensus was John C. Riley's margaritas.
1: Gotcha. Do you have any specific categories in mind? No, I got a brainstorm on it, but I think there's potential there. Do you have any in mind?
0: I like that idea of the food or something like that. Like, go through the whole movie and, like,
1: what is the room you would want to walk through? Yeah, that's a good one. I think we could also, you know, we do... Categories don't need to be every single week, but we could have like a pool of categories and do a couple of them each week or something.
0: Another they mentioned was, what's the prop you would want to own?
1: Oh, nice. That's a fun one, yeah. They
0: talked about that one with Titanic, and I think they said you couldn't pick the diamond.
1: Okay, that was off-limits. Low-hanging fruit. Right, but one of them picked
0: Spicer Lovejoy's nickel-plated revolver.
1: Oh, man. Wait, hold on. Who's Spicer Lovejoy again? He's the... Bodyguard. oh yeah 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 anyways uh listeners if you're there uh please please clap <laughs> please clap. is that uh jeb bush right yeah let us know if you have any ideas or or things that we could do to spice it up join us on the discord or send us an email at the goods at gmail.com Anything you want, it, movies you want us to talk about, uh, things you want us to do more of or less of, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you.
0: I just Googled Spicer Lovejoy, and it says, people also search for Caledon Hockley, Brock Lovett, and Fabrizio. What's Who's Fabrizio? The Italian friend who gets on the boat with Jack. Nice. He's there for the king of the world scene. He gets smashed by a smokestack at the end.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about for the future, Brian? Well, maybe
0: in the next six months, I watch Titanic again.
1: Yeah, or a year or whatever. Yeah. April's not too far away, Dan. We'll be there before we know it. Yeah. So now I'm going to jump into the goods by the numbers, where I will briefly discuss some of the numerics, the, the statistics behind the past 25 episodes, the past six months. So in the past twenty five episodes, and I'm just going to say past twenty five episodes. Just know that it's always seventy six to one hundred when I say that. We discussed thirty six things. That is thirty four feature length films, and two I will call them quasi films for April Fool's Day. One of them more film esque than the other, in that it has a letterbox page. But that brings us to a total of one hundred and forty five things across a hundred episodes. Wow.
0: And listeners, if you don't pay attention to the episode numbers, and also they're a little wonky because we've had a couple two-parters, but this coverage spans from our discussion of Robot, the Indian film from 2010, to when we talked about Suspiria, the 2018 remake.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So you can go look at our episode list and start at Robot *Robot*. Entheron. Is that the other name or something? Right. And scroll up through Suspiria 2018. So the oldest movies that we watched, uh, again, a little disappointing to me. Uh, I think this was the same for the previous 25, but the third oldest was actually the 1967 Bedazzled, followed by The Great Race. But our oldest one was, I think, our oldest selection ever, which was The Adventures of Prince Ahmed from 1926. And then as far as our newest ones, uh, we watched a 2021 film that was Luca and then two 2022 films that was Scream 5, a.k.a. Five Cream and Zombies 3. For our ratings, our 16 club selection, the only entrant into our 16 club, which is, by the way, a film that earns two eights out of eight on our Is It Good eight point rating scale. Uh, The only entrant to that was an April Fool's Day selection that, you know, count it or don't count it, depending on whether you think only real films should be in there. But that is uh, Barton vs. Winona State, the basketball YouTube clip that I talked quite a bit about in our April Fool's Day episode. And that joins three other 16 club selections, Groundhog Day, Gravity Falls, and... Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But we actually had no 15 club selections, which is one of us gives it an eight and one of us gives it a seven. But we have had several of those in our history, and I'll just read them out real fast. Titanic, Iron Giant, Boogie Nights, Parasite with an asterisk, and 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T with an asterisk. An asterisk means only after we had a correction that we'll get to in a bit here.
0: Right. And that's something we have the opportunity to do
1: here tonight. Um, but then we had three fourteens. That is one of us, either we both gave it sevens or I think for all three of these, one of us gave it an eight and one of us gave it a six. I'm not going to read those because I think they are likely to come up in our our award section. And our lowest scored is a four total. We both gave it a two. And again, uh, that one will come up. I'm trying to keep the spoilers light, so I'm not spoiling what our favorites and least favorites were. Uh, As far as our consistency on our ratings across those 36 things, we actually had a pretty high match rate this time. Eight out of the 36 times we gave it the exact same rating, which I think is not quite as high as our first 25, but higher than the previous two sets of 25 episodes where we, we had started to diverge a bit more. Our, our biggest disparities were f- points of four separation, one of which I don't think is going to come up as a top or a bottom, but we'll see, and that is the Return of the King animated one. I gave it a two, and Brian gave it a six. Uh, there's another one that Brian gave a one two, and I gave a five two, and I think we'll probably be talking about that one. Chances are good. As far as most acclaimed and least acclaimed on the most acclaimed uh, on IMDb, we had two point eights out of 10. That's grizzly man and the adventures of Prince Ahmed. And on letterboxd, we had three 4.0 out of five. That's grizzly man, the swimmer and fantastic planet on rotten tomatoes. We had two, 100% earners. That's the swimmer and adventures of Prince Ahmed. And we had one Best Picture winner, and that was Chicago. As far as our least acclaimed, let's just say they all starred Brendan Fraser, and we'll, we'll get to it. But we had a 3.3 out of 10 for IMDb, a 1.7 on Letterboxd, and a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And then the longest and shortest runtime, so Suspiria 2018 and Ray from 2004... Both clock in at 152 minutes, according to Wikipedia. So that's just over two and a half hours each. Those were our longest. And our shortest feature film was The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, although both of our April Fool's selections were shorter than that. And then as far as average ratings, we were, again, pretty consistent. You, Brian, you gave an average of a 4.92, which is a low good. And I gave an average of a 4.97. So... average points off from each other.
0: Okay, not too different. I felt like I was a little harsh this
1: season. And I felt like I was a little generous. So that's interesting. But Brian, I looked at the bell curve and we have a uh, something that surprised me, which is that you have now given more good issues. That's a four out of eight. than you have goods, which is a five out of eight. So you're throwing off the bell curve there. Otherwise, we had kind of centered around fives and sixes. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while, I think, since I gave a five. Yeah.
0: My opinions are polarizing as I age.
1: <laughs> Speaking of which, we have a, a an election tomorrow. You got something to follow, <laughs> follow that with? No, you fill in the blank with your, your whatever political joke you'd like in there. Uh, Just, you know, polarized opinions, politics.
0: Yeah. Get out there, listeners, and vote, assuming we hold the same values.
1: Yeah. Or don't if you don't want to, or we don't have the same values or anything like that. Exactly. Do whatever you want to do. I'm a sign, not a cop. (laughs) And as far as our overall average, we're even closer I'm at a 5.17 and you're at a 5.15. So I think it's like three or four total is a good points apart. And pretty much all of that comes down to the previously mentioned. You gave it a one and I gave it a five.
0: Right. There's a couple where we've had a
1: gap this time around. We had three guests. That is Gargus came for a second time. Gavin came for a first time. And Will came for a third time. So thank you guys for joining. And as far as our listeners, we had an uptick in listeners. We had our biggest month ever in October. So thank you, listeners. We had um, 673 listeners this past six months, or at least of the 25 episodes. And we've had about 4,200 all-time listeners. So that's uh, it's nice to know that we're, we're getting some listeners out there. Cool. As far as our most popular episode, uh, when we talked about Forgetting Sarah Marshall, that one has had 55 listeners and our most popular in show history, kind of a curveball that I think I've mentioned last time is, for whatever reason, our Cirque de Freak episode gets a disproportionate number of listeners. It's had 416, which is almost 10% of our downloads. Dear God.
0: I want to know what's behind that, or it's f- like, maybe I don't.
1: It's got to be a search engine optimization thing. It's like on some service, if you search "Stark to Freak, ours is the top result even ahead of the audiobook or something. Somebody really likes vampires. All right. Well, that's all I got as far as numbers go. And that brings us to our awards section, the goodies. All right. So
0: there was some discussion ahead of time over whether we keep the meta awards which are like behind the scenes awards awards that only matter because they're derived from the content of our discussion itself.
1: Yeah, and I think we decided we will, is that right? Yeah,
0: I want to. Okay. I know the first two times we did this I didn't really come prepared, but I've I've tried to come prepared this time, so.
1: Okay. Then let's do it, I say.
0: All right. We've got one for favorite running gag,
1: Dan. I put for my favorite running gag, Brian comparing everything to Breaking Bad. Like basically every episode, a Breaking Bad comparison comes up. And it took me about 100 episodes to notice that he was always doing it. But now I, I can't stop hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show, Dan. I haven't seen it, so, you know, I should. What about you, Brian?
0: For me, it's not a gag per se, but I like that all of my old animated movie picks turned out to be 70s fantasy films.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty funny.
0: Like, it could have gotten even more specific than I made it. Yeah. Also, this is not a gag either, but we both caught COVID. And it's like Dr. Doofenshmirtz said, two isn't a lot, but it's odd that it happened twice.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: What about a favorite line or moment from your co-host that was funny?
1: Yeah. So in the funny category, uh, every spectacular, I say it and it's true that Brian makes me laugh every single episode. So this category is like really hard and it's kind of arbitrary on like a thing that I happen to remember, not necessarily the funniest, because like I said, Brian's a funny guy, but the one that I thought of, the episode in general that I laughed the most recording was the George of the Jungle episode. Just a lot of good gags in there. And the thing that I like couldn't breathe from laughing was when Brian was narrating the Dudley Do-Right wiki, which is the plot synopsis opens with three children are with a horse. And then you connected it back to uh, the elmo wiki page on the muppets wiki which is elmo's dad is elmo's dad and that made me laugh very hard so that was my pick (laughs)
0: nice what i will say is that dan has really come into his own recently i feel as a funny guy and unfortunately my key examples that i had picked out were from like the last five episodes he was making me laugh a lot in the halloween town episode as well as uh, there was some funny stuff in the ghost watch discussion. Uh, when you talked about going to the pumpkin patch and you saw a sign that said ride the cow train and you were trying to figure out what a cow train was. I was laughing really hard at that cow train cow train. Uh, but we're not here to talk about those episodes yet. So, I did really enjoy when you were summarizing the fight in They Live, and you said that Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David were two hamsticks hitting each other. <laughs> and I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I'm still not clear on what a hamstick is. To me, I'm picturing like a Slim Jim, but I, I don't know. I guess...
1: A fleshy Slim Jim, yeah. something Maybe.
0: Yeah, I guess Keith David and Rowdy Roddy Piper are hamsticks. What about a moment of discussion that came from your co-host that really made you think, Dan?
1: A moment of insight? Two that, that came to mind for me. So one was when we talked about The Swimmer and we did our top five years of our lives. I just thought that was a really provocative topic and it kind of forced me to reflect in ways that I don't often reflect on like, the long-term arc of my life and how that has kind of spaced out over time and what highlights and lowlights are. I used to spend a lot of my time, like reflecting on such things and uh, for whatever reason, I don't as much as I used to anymore. And so that was, I really appreciated the connection between the themes of the swimmer and also like refracting it back onto ourselves. I thought that was good. As far as like a specific aspect of a film discussion that we had, um, Your appreciation for the editing in Chicago uh, really enhanced my appreciation of that film. And there are a lot of people out there who are cynical about that movie. I I don't know if you've ever read some of the movie fans who are cynical about it, but I, I hold a soft spot for it because of that conversation. Oh, I remember
0: even in our discussion that that was a point of kind of contention that you said it was a little too crazy with the editing. And maybe there's something to that. But I just really like how it cuts back and forth between the two worlds. You know, you've got the quote unquote real world where it's like grittier and and the tones are darker, more sepia. And then like the singers are in a theatrical space. They're on like a circus stage. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of the editing. It it won the Oscar, so I'm not alone. It did (laughs) get the Academy Award for editing that year.
1: I still think the choreography editing in that is hit or miss, but the kind of overall mise-en-scene combination is very striking in that. So, yeah. Sure. What about you, Brian? Well,
0: for me, Dan, I have the same thing written down, that it's
1: the top five
0: years discussion in our swimmer episode. I thought that was really poignant. We dug deep for that one. And listeners, if you haven't heard that one, go check it out. Did you have a favorite episode title, Dan? I suspect some listeners may not even look at the title because it takes so long to scroll by on the podcast app because we list the movie title first and then the episode title. (laughs) But we do give them all their own names, usually pulled from something that was said during the episode.
1: Yeah, the, the one that I picked is the one that made me feel sentimental that I didn't even think of it until we were about to record, and I was like, oh, that's perfect, is our very first episode in the podcast's history was the reddest movie, talking about Suspiria 1977. And so then for our 100th episode, I called it the 100 est mm-hmm. movie, which it, it doesn't roll off the tongue quite so smoothly, but when you see it written out, it clicks. And like seeing that written out and realizing we'd made it to 100, it gave me the tingles. Two other quick shout outs. One is all these blankets have saved my life. When we talked about Walk Hard, it's just a quote from the movie. But every time I read that episode title, I hear John C. Riley saying it in my head, which is (laughs) fun. And, you know, it was
0: thematic because that was the week I had the COVID.
1: Yeah. And then when you insisted we title our April Fool's episode, an April Fool, as it were, which is a quote from The Simpsons that is obscure enough, I'm sure most people don't recognize, but is one that. Isn't Simpsons Quote I say all the time? I thought that was pretty inspired. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, when the beer explodes in that episode, that is seared in my memory. Yeah, so funny. A truly apocalyptic scene. What about you, Brian? So for me, in terms of episode titles, I want to give an honorable mention to Something Bardworthy, which was the title we slapped on the second chunk of our Lord of the Rings coverage. I like the idea of doing something that makes you worthy of being chronicled in the sagas. You know, an act that stands the test of time.
1: Perhaps our podcast will someday be something bard-worthy, Brian. Yes.
0: In our way, we are bards. Oh, that's true. We are telling the tales of the ones who came before. But... My winner for episode title is Snidely Whiplash Did Nothing Wrong. (laughs) Our Jay Ward adaptation coverage when we talked George of the Jungle and Dudley Do-Right.
1: A a reference to the internet meme Adolf Hitler did nothing wrong. Am I right in that connection?
0: Well, I mean, it can be any number of villains, but I
1: believe Hitler is frequently
0: (laughs) brought into the discussion. Snidely Whiplash. It's a great name. And so, Dan, what about the big one as far as meta goes? What episode that we put out in the last six months do you think was
1: our best? This one, it's kind of hard for me to pick like what is actually the most interesting episode. But as far as the one that I am, that is my favorite, the one that I'm fondest of, it's got to be the episode that we entitled Hank's where like five things happened in my life in that one week. I moved, I got COVID. I watched a whole bunch of Tom Hanks movies. I ranked all the Tom Hanks movies. I wrote a whole bunch of reviews of Tom Hanks movies while I was lying on a mattress and sweating and unable to taste my food. So that one to me is just uh, already seared in my brain for a very specific and memorable week of my life. So I'm going with, with Thanksgiving as my favorite episode what about you brian
0: okay well i am going to go with the episode that felt most a part of our legacy like something that we had built toward and this was our coverage of the fifth scream film just titled scream and zombies three it's
1: like we wouldn't
0: these two movies would not go together if not for us
1: <laughs> that's true yeah I will say the one that was the most fun to record, though, was the George of the Jungle. That was the one I'd I laugh the most at.
0: Yep. It's not going to be the last time we talk George of the Jungle tonight, I think. <laughs> but I also wanted to shout out my favorite of our top five discussions, which was our top five songs from movies, where we also covered the Lorax film from 2012. I thought that was a fun one.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pick the same one, Brian, because I thought that we brought a lot of our own personalities to that one. I I enjoyed all of our top fives, and the Tom Hanks one is right up there, too. I just picked that as my favorite episode, but as far as my favorite ranking that we did, I'm going to go with the same one. I thought it was very us. It gave me some good things
0: to listen to for the week of and the week after.
1: So I think that wraps up our meta awards, Brian, which I guess brings us to our keystone segment of our spectaculars which is the equivalent of the oscars for the goods and that is our movie awards section of the goodies if that's what we'll entitle them we have a a handful of recurring categories that we've been doing dating back to the first spectacular so brian why don't you introduce us to the first category we're going to discuss Okay, so at the top
0: of the list, we have Biggest Surprise. This is a movie where we came in with expectations different from what we got. Maybe they were low and we ended high or vice versa. Just something that we were not anticipating. So, Dan, what do you got?
1: So looking back on our our discussions, there were no ratings that if you were to look at what the rating was, that... Got applied to the movie that further diverged from what I expected to give it than just the most avant-garde piece of cinematic shit that anyone will ever see, which is George of the Jungle Two, which I just I had such a fun time watching. I never wanted it to end because it was just insanely mind-blowingly bad, just a masterpiece of crap, a disaster piece. So George of the Jungle 2 is my biggest surprise.
0: Okay, I think that's earned. I might have to consider that one. (laughs) But what I have penciled in is the Anne of Green Gables anime, which for one, I'm kind of surprised I like that's not something I ever even expected to watch, but I did. And it's like very heartwarming, like it's very well realized. The art is nice. It has this slow pace and is really dedicated to capturing the events of the book. And I just left feeling charmed. So that's what I have here on the list. That's awesome. Yeah. What about, Dan, a best single scene in any of the selections that we covered?
1: A lot of great scenes, of course. Yeah. So my runner up best scene um, is the end of Luca. Luca which is the Pixar movie we discussed. The train farewell from Alberto saying goodbye to Luca. Very happy, sad tears. Great goodbye. I love a great train scene. Something very cinematic about trains. So that's my runner up. But my pick for the best scene. And again, there are a lot of ones I thought about, but I'm going to go with the first time that Nada put on glasses and they live. Just this really striking thing that can only ever be captured in film in this like very subjective way that you see these two realities clashing and just a really cool and really special moment where you have the you know the everyday city street and then he puts on these glasses and and all of a sudden you see all of the advertisements and products have like subliminal messages in stark black and white and some of the people are these freaky, stretched skull alien guys that it's like really unsettling to see. And the way that it alternates between the color and the black and the white, just very cool. And the way that it's all kind of dialog it just does communicates it all with what's on the screen. I thought that is a terrific, terrific scene. That's a good one. What I'm
0: going to pick is... The thing we talked about that was really only a single scene and it was that basketball game that you shared on April Fool's Day, Dan, where in the final moments, the guy scores I don't know how many baskets. He just comes alive and is dunking on everyone. And it's like as perfect an athletic performance as you could ever have, because literally at the very end, he beats the buzzer and just tips the ball in and wins the game. It's
1: amazing. Absolutely.
0: Maybe not quite a movie, but I think it counts as a
1: scene. So it gets the award for me. I think that's a good compromise. Yeah. How about,
0: Dan, a line, something said in one of the films that really resonated with you?
1: My runner up for this one, I picked a, a serious one. And that is from Grizzly Man. And this is one of Werner Herzog's monologues. He says, what haunts me is that in all the faces of all the bears that tread Treadwell ever filmed I discover no kinship no understanding no mercy I see only the overwhelming indifference of nature to me there is no such thing as a secret world of the bears and this blank stare speaks only of a half-bored interest in food but for Timothy Treadwell this bear was a friend a savior which I think is a summation of the struggle of humanity versus nature that is captured in Grizzly Man to some extent. And then my, my pick, my actual winner, is a funny one. And it's since we watched this movie, this line has just been running through my head. And this is in Forgetting Sarah Marshall when Paul Rudd is a surfing instructor and he's teaching Jason Segel to surf. And he says, I'm going to be your instincts. Kuno will be your instincts. Don't do anything. Don't try to surf. Don't do it. The less you do... The more you do that last line, the less you do, the more you do. It's like been my mantra the past few months.
0: (laughs) And then when he finally does nothing, he's like, well, you got to do something.
1: (laughs) You got to do more than that. Yeah, he does it once. He's like, well, that's not it at all. Paul Rudd really elevated that movie for me. What about you, Brian? Best line or quote?
0: All right, so this is kind of a single selection that represents Walk Hard as a whole, because I love the writing in that film. I think it's hilarious. You know, our ratings diverged a little bit, but this one I really, really like. And the (laughs) the one I ultimately picked is when he, Dewey Cox, John C. Riley is splitting up with his first wife, and she's taken, you know, half of the stuff in The Divorce, He says, you can take the children, but you leave me my monkey. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of exotic pet talk in that film, as we highlighted, and it always made me laugh. It's pretty silly, but I liked it. I'm glad. Now, Dan, we've gone from scene to line. Let's talk songs. Best musical moment in
1: a film that we talked about. So for my honorable mention... I don't know if actually the second best, but the one that most kind of stands out from the film itself in terms of like something that I just singularly loved about this scene, this musical moment. And that is from the return of the King where there's a whip, there's a way orc disco number where they got like overlapping vocals and rhythms and stuff where there's a whip, there's a way that's my honorable mention. But my actual winner, if I could just say the entirety of the soundtrack of Teen Beach movie, I would, but I'll pick a specific song. I think like the actual best one is probably Cruisin' for a Bruisin', which is I think the one that I said was the peak of Western civilization when we discussed that film. But if I'm going to choose a single representative of the mindset and aesthetic of that movie, I would go with Surf Crazy the first musical number from Teen Beach Movie. What about you, Brian? Best musical moment?
0: Good choices, Dan. For my honorable mention, I also have Where There's a Whip, There's a Way. (laughs) Never would have expected Disco Dancing Orcs, but it is a milestone. I'm glad we experienced it together. And just across the board, this slate of films had so many good musical moments like we had Chicago in the mix we had walk hard right but I am going to actually pick the one that prompted our discussion of musical moments in film and it's Thneedville the opener of the Lorax this is such a good pump-up number I still sometimes start my day with it
1: I listened to it today, and my five-year-old got really excited. She said, Dad, it's Needville. It is, yeah. So I've tried to pass it on, too. I like that. You, you know what, Brian? Somehow, we, neither of us picked from It's Potty Time Super Duper Pooper. I know, Dan. I'm. <laughs> we just had
0: too many good ones this slate. I know. It's not that that one's bad. That is a
1: legitimate banger. An embarrassment of riches. Oh man, Dracula's Lament from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That probably, that in Thedeville really could have been my runner up, runners up.
0: Yeah, there were so many good ones.
1: In fact, since you did Where There's a Whip, There's a Way, maybe I should just say that those are my, my actual runners up, but you know, whatever.
0: Okay. And now we've got like our O web redemption segment where we get to revise past ratings. <laughs> Dan. I never thought of it that way. So it's, So is there one that you rated high that you would knock down a peg?
1: Yeah, I got to say there are like four or five that I was like, really, I gave it that one and not the one underneath it. So I really could have picked a bunch of different things for this. In fact, some of them I didn't even believe that I had given it the rating that we had written down. I had to go back and listen to the episode. I guess I'm going to go with. Suspiria which is our most recent one I gave it a very good and I even now we're just like a couple weeks later and I honestly can't tell you what about that made me go high enough for a very good it's like a very good is supposed to be something pretty special and that one is just fine it's it's okay it's a decent movie I don't know if it's very good so I'll pencil that in I guess what about you Brian? Well, for me,
0: one that I would give a lower rating. Actually, I don't want to lower anything. I think it was pretty spot on with my rankings, but if I had to, I don't know if I have to. But if I did, I would consider bumping Lorax down from 7 to 6, or maybe Robot down from 7 to 6. I'll go ahead and say Lorax instead of exceptionally good. I'll give it a very good six out of eight.
1: Gotcha. My other ones I thought about, maybe I was a bit generous and of green Gables. I gave a seven. Uh, I watched it again afterwards and it, the slowness of the feature length really stuck out to me. And I might give it a high six instead of a low seven on that one. And then Chicago, I was right on the line of a six or a five. And in fact, I didn't believe that I had given it a six, although I don't feel too bad about the six. So I would keep that one.
0: Well, Dan, I'm going to do the flip flop. Uh, Anne of Green Gables, I'm bumping up. Yeah. From I gave it a six. I'm going to go to seven. Okay. Just, just scoot over into seven because I did end up quite enjoying that. I haven't revisited the show yet. Like I said, I would and
1: continue on, but I intend to. I'll get there. All right. Nice. So mine, the one that I would bump up. I narrowed it down to a couple of options and I'm actually going to just, I only have fond memories of watching this and the enthusiasm you have for it. And that's walk hard. I'm going to bump that from a six up to a seven.
0: All right. I like to hear that. You know, I like to hear that.
1: It's a win for you. Yeah. Thought about bumping its potty time from a four up to a five.
0: I really, I came down hard on It's Potty Time. I gave it a two out of eight. It's extremely memorable. I mean, I said in the episode that for whatever reason, I think I've watched it a hundred (laughs) times. So, yeah, I don't know. It's not an artistic masterpiece, but it sticks with you in its way. Yeah. Now we are to the meat, Dan. The awards that indeed, if people have come to hear anything, they've come to hear these ones. And so. Who would you give the worst actor or actress award to, Dan? Our own
1: personal Razzie. I would wager. I'm trying to think how much would I wager? Probably more than $100 that we're going to have the same.
0: (laughs) We have the same that we have
1: the same thing.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think he's earned it,
1: Dan. <laughs> and that is Christopher Showerman from George of the Jungle 2, the guy who replaced Brendan Fraser in just a horrible, uh, you know.
0: And never lets you forget that fact. He tells you many, many times that he's not Brendan Fraser, but in fact, his dollar store replacement.
1: The narrator is like roasting him the whole time. And they're right. He's really bad. He deserves that scorn. So Christopher Showerman.
0: yeah. He has a good physique, though. He's built. He, he credit where credit is due. Is that yours too, Brian? He is mine. The one and only Christopher Showerman. So <laughs> let's move on. He's had his
1: moment in the sun. Best actor, Dan, male performer. My honorable mentions, Anthony Atkinson. He's the, if you want to call it, it's a different kind of performance, you know? I don't know if you'd say actor. I guess the category is best actor, but just, I guess best male performance. Anthony Atkinson is the basketball player on Barton in that, that clip that we watched for April fool's day. And that was uh, one for the ages. So, uh, you know, can't give him the full award, but probably my favorite individual performance we watched. Uh, I'm also going to shout out John C. Riley. He was, uh, I almost went with him, but I'm actually going to go with someone that you went out of your way saying you did not think was a favorite performance of yours. And that was Joaquin Phoenix in Walk the Line, just uh, kind of unlikable and prickly, but just really inhabited that character and made me believe in the complexities of Johnny Cash. Uh, There's a lot about that movie I don't like. I think I only gave it a four, but uh, his performance is not one of those things. I I think his performance is absolutely terrific in that.
0: Okay, respectable. I am going to give a Lifetime Achievement Award to John C. (laughs) Riley. He showed up in Walk Hard, obviously. That was the biggest featuring this time around. But he truly surprised me as the narrator of Disney's Bears. Was that it? Was it, Were those heroes' only appearances in this slate? I think possibly. But he's been working towards it for a while, so...
1: Now I gotta think about just, it, yeah. I'm just gonna give him that one.
0: And then for the real winner for best actor um honorable mention to burt lancaster in the swimmer strong performance from him i feel like that's a movie you don't hear talked about a whole lot these days in the broad public so listeners if you missed that episode check it out but i'm gonna give it to richard Gere from chicago as billy flynn the slick lawyer he gets like I think like three songs that are all his, and he really kills it. I don't think I'd seen Richard Gere in a movie before that, but he's got a star presence.
1: And now, Dan, the actresses, what do you got? Yeah, honorable mention, Teen Beach Movie, Gracie Gillum. She plays the biker chick that is one of the two leads of the Wet Side story. Uh, she's all she's great in both of them, and I think she should be in more movies. I think she's amazing. And then just for sheer electricity and charisma, Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago, second honorable mention. My pick, though, is someone who n- not even really a professional actress. She's a supermodel, and yet she carries the entire movie on her back, and that is Elizabeth Hurley in Bedazzled. Just a truly magnetic, incredible performance. Very funny, a sexy, wonderful presence. I'm giving it to Elizabeth Hurley. Oh, man.
0: You know what? You make a good case. So my honorable mention is to Christina Kohatova from Jan Sphankmare's Alice for just all the horrible, gross things she had to put up with. Oh, you know, she's basically the only actor in the entire movie. And she's just getting like slimy and sharp things thrown at her all the time, being covered with taxidermy animals like this would have been an ordeal. Great pick. But the award, you know, I was about to give it to Renee Zellweger, also from Chicago, but I think you've convinced me to give it to Elizabeth Hurley from Bedazzled. So just in the sense that she really does like take over the movie and she's electric. So, yeah, you know what? Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones at least got an Oscar already. So why not give this one to Elizabeth Hurley, too? There you go. All right. All right. So I guess we have one uh, line item here. You wrote best or worst title, Dan. Yeah.
1: Film titles. You got ones for those? I do. Yes. So we introduced this one last spectacular. So my favorite of the movie titles, none of them really blew me away. I got to say Teen Beach movie, Grizzly Man, big fan of those. But I'm going to go with The Swimmer. I don't know. Just very evocative and mysterious. It's like it kind of captures the the symbolic power of all of the individual things in that movie. He's literally a swimmer, but he's also kind of floating in space and time Well, more so time. But um, I I really like that. It's, It's evocative. And then for the worst, absolutely no question. Scream is the official title of Scream 5. So stupid. Why would you even do that? That's my worst title is Scream. What about you, Brian? So we had a lot of very on-the-nose titles this time
0: around. We had Chicago, Teen Beach Movie. We had The Great Race. They race in that one. You know, Chicago takes place in Chicago. Luca is the main character. The 13th year. Kids turning 13. Like, that. actually, that one kind of buries the lead because
1: it says nothing about gay merman. Uh, also, we talked about how really this is 14th year because it happens after he turns 13.
0: Exactly. So a, a misnomer. So if I had to give a worst, maybe that earns it. But I only wrote down one for best because for me, it's the one that just jumps off the page. You want to reach out and grab that VHS off the shelf. It's potty time, Dan. (laughs) Best title.
1: That's good. No, I should have mentioned that one, too. That's great. Good pick.
0: Okay, this is a big one. Next is worst movie. So, Dan, I'll let you go first.
1: So perhaps the true winner, best worst movie for me is George of the Jungle 2. But I actually have fondness for that film. So I'm not going to select that. I'm going to select another movie we discussed during that episode, though, and that is Dudley Do-Right, which I gave a two, and I could just as well have given one, except there were some fun little set pieces in there. Just kind of a nonsensical, dumb little movie. You know, I don't have too much animosity towards it. It's just kind of a waste. So that's my pick for worst movie. But what about you, Brian?
0: Okay, we're not too far apart. We are honed in on the same episode. I'm giving it worst movie to George of the Jungle 2. Like, nothing in this film makes sense. (laughs) There's, and it like wallows in the nonsensical aspect. And maybe you will be won over by that. Maybe it's the worst, best movie. But, like, I don't know who greenlit this. It's on Disney Plus. The opening credits seem to hide Disney's involvement. But, you know, this was a cash grab. They're hoping somebody buys the DVD
1: to pop it in. I don't think the director is credited in the film. (laughs) Like, I think you have to go on IMDb or Wikipedia to find out who the director is. Like, he's not saying, hey, guess what? I'm the director of this movie. Like That's how embarrassed he is of his work here.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's some spontaneous biogenesis involved here. It's like when they thought that rats came from meat that you left out. <laughs> like this movie just emerged and suddenly somebody like walked into the woodshed and saw this sitting in the corner. It's like, what, what is this? It's George of the Jungle 2. there we go but you know what dudley do right not that good either i think picking that as the worst one is fair
1: reasonable yeah yes by the way george of the jungle 2 and dudley do right split our least acclaimed that uh, george of the jungle 2 had the 3.3 on imdb and the 1.7 on letterboxd but on rotten tomatoes dudley do right was the one that got 16 percent Whereas George of the Jungle 2 got a whopping 17%. So Ooh. bringing down the floor on that one.
0: Wow. I just noticed a margin note of mine here that I skipped over was that honorable mention for worst actor or just weirdest actor. I have Hardin Miner, the host of It's Potty Time. <laughs> the little gnome man who seems omnipresent.
1: Yeah. I kind of have a rule not to pick too hard on the kid actors. Uh, not that hard and minor is, but my other footnote on that one was Chaz Starbuck from the 13th year.
0: Oh, man. Well, uh, at least we spoke his name. <laughs> it needed to be uttered. I still hope that at some point in their lives, Christopher Showerman and Chaz Starbuck met. They probably didn't. The two CS stage names. <laughs> but we can hope. You never know. All right, now we're going to do our top five movies. The cream of the
1: crop. So before I go, uh, part of me thought it would be gimmicky and funny if I picked George of the Jungle 2, both as the worst movie and the number five best movie. So just imagine an alternate recording where I, I did that. Um, but I'm not going to do that. And, and similarly, I gave Barton versus Winona State, the YouTube clip, a tour to good but I'm not going to consider that enough of a film. My, my cutoff was it needed to have a letterbox page to be considered for top five best selection, and that one doesn't. So, so
0: it's potty time is fair game. It
1: is, yes. Because that one does have a letterbox page, and I think I got someone to log it. I forget. Oh, I think Gavin uh, from our Discord. I got him to watch it and log it.
0: <laughs> That's dedication. Yeah. We, we love our fans.
1: But for my number five, I'm going to pick Anne of Green Gables, Road to Green Gables. If we were doing just the show, the whole show, this would be higher on the list as a feature film introduction to the show, a splicing together of the first six episodes. As I mentioned, I did feel when I watched it again that it dragged a little bit more than I gave it credit for when we discussed it, but I'm still extremely fond of it. Uh, I have it exceptionally good, and that is my number five.
0: Okay, well, going into this, I will say I suspect this top five will be more polarized than any past spectacular. I think just because this time around I brought in several movies that were, like, already favorites of mine, and I knew that was going to be the case, and I slapped eights on them. You know, I do that from time to time. I think we both do. But... Here at number five, I also have Anne of Green Gables.
1: Hey, there you go.
0: So after this, I don't think we're going to match again, but I like this one.
1: Nice. Okay, Dan, number four. Maybe not the best Pixar movie, but one that just makes my heart swell. Just an affectionate little film. You know, it's kind of unambitious relative to Pixar's peak. I still have a lot of fondness for it. That's Luca from 2021. One of our two gay merman movies we watched. Contender for running gag.
0: (laughs) Continuing theme. At number four, I have Robot from 2010. The epic Indian sci-fi action music film. There's just so much varied, crazy imagery in this. Like, the scope of the music numbers is very impressive. The plot is all over the place. But this is one I was glad to have the chance to discuss. Gotta shout out the music number Arima Arima. Because, yeah,
1: just too many good songs to pick from
0: in this slate.
1: That's a fun one. My number three is... Grizzly Man, the documentary about Timothy Treadwell, narrated and directed by Werner Herzog about a man who lived life among the bears until he caught himself on tape being eaten by a bear with his girlfriend. And just the way that it it kind of deconstructs this complicated character. And we have these competing viewpoints. We have... Treadwell's vision of himself as we see in the footage and then Herzog's much more negative and condemning vision of Treadwell. And then we also have all his friends and different weird people. I just like it when we get documentaries about weird people. It's fun. I, I would say maybe it's not a fun movie overall, but um, I really like this one. I thought this one was terrific. It's not too far off from a masterpiece. So I'm going to get Grizzly Man number three.
0: It's a bleak one. A guy gets eaten by a bear. And then they have the audacity not to show you. Yeah. My number three is one that I first watched when I was nine years old, and it definitely left its mark. This is Fantastic Planet from 1973. A surreal French Czech animated collaboration. And just really psychedelic and strange.
1: I love that one, too. Didn't quite crack my top five. Where are you at for number two? Number two. Maybe this is biggest surprise. I mean, like, if you were to just list all the movies from the outset. Not surprised, because I knew I loved it when I brought it in. But just if you you were going to, like, show somebody a list of 36 movies and say, guess which one of these is Dan's second favorite? You probably wouldn't come up with this one. And that is, of course, Teen Beach Movie. Surf, 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 crazy. Just this... Tremendous soundtrack of vintage bops, hilarious and kind of sweet appreciation of the beach party movies that we've talked about in the past. Very specific thing to pay homage to in a Disney Channel movie. And then it's got a lot of really interesting thoughts about gender roles under the surface that are not cliche, like you would expect, and just some weird energy in it. Absolutely love that one. It's not perfect. It's got some dumb stuff in it, but it's one that's grown on me as time has passed and grows more and more. So
0: I'll tell you, Dan, that I'm taking a screenwriting class and for my big narrative script project, I wrote an homage to beach party films. Oh nice. And so it owes, you know, a lot to the Annette and Frankie. Films that we cover just outside of our span for this episode, but there's some Teen Beach movie as well. I've got one of the songs from Teen Beach 2 on my annual mix CD that I still make for my car. Which one? It was Play the Scene. Oh, yeah. The one about choosing to live in the movie and why the movie characters should go back. But... Definitely, Surf, Surf Crazy is a favorite of mine too. However, at number two, I have Chicago, the best picture winner, I think, from 2002. I just really like how this one's put together. There's a lot of great performances. Oh, by the way, John C. Riley also in this one. Oh, good call. So that's three. Yeah, so Lifetime Achievement Award, like I said. But yeah, a lot of good performances, some good songs, maybe not the best songs. Uh, but I really enjoy the visuals and the way the story is told.
1: Yeah, it's a really inventive one.
0: Okay. Number one, Dan, the big moment of truth here at the near close of our 100th episode's spectacular.
1: Yeah, so only one movie earned a tour de good from me. Our masterpiece rating an eight out of eight. It's a movie that I've loved from the first time I watched it, and I've watched it many, many times. And I made Brian watch it. And we sat together in person and watched it. And then we recorded an episode together for my birthday. Um, so just fond times all around. That is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. The comedy s- starring and written by Jason Siegel. Just uh, one of my favorite movies. Always makes me laugh. Always puts me in a good mood. Does right by the characters while still just being... Absolutely hilarious. Tons of little cameos and appearances shot in tropical setting that I just want to hop out there and hang out with them. It's got a Dracula puppet musical. Just a terrific film, in my opinion, for getting Sarah Marshall, my favorite movie of the past six months that we watched. Nice.
0: I ended up enjoying that one more than I thought I maybe might. It's got a great cast, and I was laughing all throughout. I really enjoyed Russell Brand in that one, thought he was quite funny. Yeah. Oh, and Paul Rudd, like we said. Yeah, lots of good performances. Lots of people who show up. Lots of names. But my number one is the second film I gave an 8-2. I did give one to Chicago. This is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. And it's like more than the sum of its parts for me. Like, you could point to any one moment and maybe find a superior moment in another film we watched, but I just really like how this one comes together as a finished product. It's a parody of musical biopics produced around the time of some other movies we talked about in that episode, like Walk the Line and the Ray Charles biopic with Jamie Foxx. But I I just really like the tone. It's like, it's satire, but it's really wacky. I think a lot of the lines are genuinely funny. You got the guy who is always saying, you never once paid for drugs. Not once. (laughs) And it's just endlessly quotable to me. Yeah. Well, you can stay if you can open your mind and learn to play the fucking theremin. (laughs) Just many, many things that I'm always going to remember and always laugh at when I put it on as I inevitably do again and again. So that for me is the number one slot here. Walk hard. Very nice. Okay, Dan. And actually
1: Judd Apatow heavily involved in both of our number one picks. Good call. He's the producer of the episode. Apparently the producer of the six months of the 25. So do we have any last minute business, Dan? Brian, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to do another special thing for our 100th episode next week. All right, what do you got cooking? So I floated this idea by you about a month ago. Didn't hear back from you for a couple days. Then you said, all right, I'm in. I'm working on it. And so what we're going to do, Brian, if you are up for it, is we're going to count down each of our 100 favorite films of all time. Our top 100, not just what we've talked about on the pod, What is our film canon, our top 100? Now, we can do some more prelude on this before we actually start. I think we're going to split it across two episodes, so it's not too overwhelming. But I think this is going to be fun, Brian.
0: Okay, it's going to be some work. It's going to take some prep, but we've kind of been working towards this for a while. So I think it's doable. Hopefully it will be interesting. 100 for 100. But it'll be fun to talk about either way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it'll work as an episode. I'm excited to hear what your 100 favorite movies are and to tell you what mine are. You too. Brian, I will talk to you next week with our, with our 100 favorite movies. And thank you for looking back on 100 episodes. And I got to say, doing this podcast, always one of the highlights of my week. Yeah. I appreciate you being there week in, week out.
0: Glad to do it. Thanks for being a part of the last two years, making them better. And thank you listeners for tuning in. I know now that you're out there, been talking to some of you on the Discord, go watch the Jenga Club (laughs) tape.